relationships with people and money are complicated. Our upbringing shapes in a very big way our relationship to the entire world, but especially, you know, with money too, because if, if money was something that was a taboo topic or you never seemed to have enough money growing up, those types of situations or any type of money situation, you know, based on how your upbringing was can really influence how you deal with money later on and your relationship with money later on. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's show is going to be in a little different direction than we normally go. We're going to talk about money, something that we all need as a resource. If you don't have any of it, then you think about it constantly. And so today's guest, Ashley Michi, is uh, in the area of finance and monetary management. And so it's just a pleasure to have a young person on the show to help us with that. Now, in the meantime, one of the things that really came up as part of the show discussion is just how important having goals, directions in life leads to our decision-making and what we'll do and what we won't do. And so we have launched the new course, the e-course, depending on when you're listening to the show, the quest for purpose based on my book of the same title, really giving you a roadmap, a step-by-step color paint by numbers process to confirm your why in all areas of your life. It's transformational. I went through this myself in 1989. I can't say enough about it if you engage it. So it's there for you. If you ever wanted to be fully engaged and on purpose in life or know somebody who needs to be, then look into the new course, The Quest for Purpose. As always, thank you for being a listener. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on. Leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. And so today, enjoy the show with Ashley Michi here on Secrets of Success. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, in life, we have to have strategies, decisions, insights on you know what we're supposed to do with our business now if you don't own a business we're going to be talking about a lot of life principles today as well but I'm delighted to have and I'm going to say a young person because I actually could be her dad and not that I'm going to give her away her age because I know what it is but we'd like to uh, welcome Ashley Michike to our show today Ashley welcome thank to you. Secrets of Success thank you so much for having me I'm excited to be here well, uh, Ashley, you have a lot of success already for as a young person, and I'm just going to say that lightly. So we're going to delve into that here in a minute. But before we do, we always like to hear story. You know, what is your story? Where did you grow up? What was going on? What's happening? So uh, I know that you are on the show from Portland, but where were you born? I was actually born in Portland. Um I've, I've, I grew up here, was born here. I even went to college at Portland State University, got my uh, business finance degree there. And uh, so I've never left, interestingly enough, but I think that's pretty rare these days. I, most people kind of move around and I, I still like it here. Um, so I think I'll stay for now. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, and, you know, being fellow West Coasters, uh, we call it the Pacific Northwest. You're right there at the edge, right before... Um, you moved down into the California area. I remember when I did some work with Mark Victor Hansen from Chicken Soup, and he lives in L.A. He says, 
you know, uh, when you leave California, resume normal behavior. So <laughs> you, mind you, sometimes Portland gets in the news for other reasons. With that, Ashley, uh, you know, what was the growing up years like? Like, what did your parents do? What was sort of their professions and what was uh, home life like at, in, at your home in Portland? My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and um, so she was running me and my sister around to sports practices. My sister and I are both were played a lot of sports growing up. My sister, especially, is a very talented basketball player, and I'm actually quite a bit uh, younger than my sister. I'm 11 years younger than my sister. Wow! And how so, did that happen? Um, just a, a quite a long spacing there, <laughs> and, you know, life circumstances, and I didn't come into the picture and, until later on, and so, um, but yeah, and so my sister being such a uh, talented basketball player, I, a lot of my earliest memories growing up are just being a little gym rat running around and uh, while she had practices and games and all that. My dad actually coached basketball as well. Um, and so I, I actually thought I was going to be in the NBA, not the WNBA because that didn't exist back then, but I, I didn't realize there was a gender issue with me being able to be in the NBA, but I thought I was deluded enough to think I was going to be in the NBA until I was about seven years old or so. But I was, I was, I they used to say I was born with a basketball in my hand. So that mm. was a lot of fun growing up, um, and I just really loved sports and and uh, you know tagging along with my dad to his games and my sister to her games, and that I would say more than anything kind of defined the early years of my life. And then when I was in second grade, she went off to college, and then it was just me alone with my parents. And so yeah, that was about a big that. Change. Eleven years is a lot. Where boom, off to college, and you're only in second grade. So what's your relationship like with your sister? Um, you know, I would say we're not super close. We get along great, um, but she's not the first person I think to call, or, you know, or, or talk to if I'm dealing with something. And and um, you know, I know I I always uh, I always envy other kids that I had growing up, um, you know, who had siblings in the house. Um, cause it can be lonely sometimes. And she would just, so after she left for college, you know, she'd come home in the summertime and I'd see her then. Um, but you know, she was, it, it's been fun too, because she goes through all of the life stages, um, at kind of the same age that, that I did, but she's like a decade in front of me. So she had, she had her, uh, first kid you know, about nine years before I had my first child. She got married about 10 years before I got married. And so it was nice to be able to go to her and say, you know, and ask for her advice as someone who had been through it and uh, had been living that um, for such a long time prior to when mm -hmm. I went through that life change. So I would say that's that's maybe one of the biggest benefits of having uh, just one other sibling who's much, much older. But my kids are all about, I have three kids and they're all almost exactly three years apart. And it's really loud in our house. They're six, three, and then I have a newborn. And um, it's a lot, it was a lot quieter in my house growing up than I, than it is here. So No worries. You'll love, you love it. I'm sure you love being a mom and a businesswoman all at the same time. And yeah. so, so that's great. Now, what did your dad do for as a profession? 
So his background was in uh, due diligence for oil and gas limited partnerships. So he actually has a finance background as well. And that's what he was doing in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, before around the time when I when I came into the world. He uh, then transitioned to working as a financial advisor. This was back in the old days when uh, there weren't any financial advisors. Everyone was a stockbroker. And so that was kind of how he came into the world of finance. And um, when I graduated college in 2007, I had a business finance degree, not because I wanted to follow my dad in his footsteps, but I genuinely liked I wanted a business degree because I knew I could apply it to anything I decided to do, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet. Um, and then I, I got the finance um, specialty within that because I, I, I got it. It made sense to me. I liked the number side of things. I've always liked um, math and statistics and numbers. And so when I when I graduated college. And I decided I would just try it out and join my dad in his uh, financial advisory practice. And that was uh, 13 years ago. So uh, my dad's always been, for as long as I've been around, he's always been a financial advisor working with clients. And a lot has changed in, in our business uh, since I started working with him. But it's a lot of fun. And then we decided... In uh, 2015, we decided we wanted to cut ties with the big firm that we were working with and start our own boutique firm. And so it took a couple years of planning, and then we launched our firm. Um, it'll be three years ago in, a, in about another month here. So, What's we, the name of your firm if people are going to look up? Look you up. It, yeah, so it's True North Retirement Advisors, and our specialty, part of the reason why we left our the big firm is because our specialty is working with business owners um, and helping them with uh, the, all of their personal investments and financial decisions, but also the, the uh, exit plan for their business, and then working with them on their uh, company retirement plan. So it's usually like a simple IRA or a 401k um, that we help them with as as well. So that's the specialty and the niche that we live in is is working with and understanding the unique needs of, of business owners. Mm. So Ashley, let's just kind of scroll back. Um, when you were in high school, you were, were you thinking that you wanted to do a business degree or did you have some other uh, sort of aspirations that might take you in a different direction? No, I thought if I had a desk job, which is basically what I have now, I thought, well, you might as I might as well just end it. <laughs> I could never see myself working in a typical office environment or doing it. I wanted to. I think I wanted to be a river raft guide because I was applying for all of these jobs, working at um, summer camps and um, those like adventure type. Uh, um, mm -hmm. Places and I actually did do that. I was a, I was a camp counselor at a summer camp in college, and I loved it. Um, and I love work, especially working with the kids. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I just, I don't sort the the tail end of college. I sort of became serious and realized that I probably could be a river raft guide uh, and earn any sort of reasonable living wage doing that. Um, and and so I, I started to think more seriously about, okay, well, when I get into the working world after I graduate college, what do I enjoy doing? And I did enjoy the finance side of it. And so I wasn't sure if I, maybe I wanted to work in banking um, 
one of my teachers really pushed me to work on the valuation side where you know you might work for a large business or work work for a large investment retail um, or you know mutual fund company analyzing stocks and just but but I didn't want to do that either because I really liked people and I'm very extroverted and I thought I can't sit behind a spreadsheet all day and 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 a crunch number so I, I tried out the the financial world and being a financial advisor because I thought, well, it's kind of the best of both worlds. It's the numbers that I like and the problem solving that I like, and there's never a dull moment, um, but then I also get to work with people. And so that's why I'm here 13 years later because I found that even though I kind of stumbled into it um, and, and didn't really intentionally set out to do this, I find that it, it does check all those boxes for me. Um, and they're really, especially working with business owners, there's never, never any business that's the same, no business owners that are even alike. And so every day is a challenge and, and every day is interesting. And I love that. Mm, cool, cool. And Ashley, what was it, what's it like, you know, you've been with your dad for over a decade. What's it like working with your dad? You know, I, in general, I really like it, but it's, I will not paint it, uh, you know, gloss over it. It can be challenging at times. Um, I think I'm very fortunate because I, unlike a lot of family businesses, I think the younger, younger generation um, isn't given that chance to to lead and make mistakes. And my dad really kind of threw me to the wolves very early on and basically said, you know, here you figured out there's a safety net and you can always come to me, you know, if you have questions or problems and we can talk through those. But he, I was working with clients from day one and, and that really accelerated uh, my growth and, and um, just learning uh, about how to work with clients and, and how to make those decisions. Um, but I didn't have to make a lot of big mistakes because he was always there uh, when I had questions or when I, there was a situation that I felt like it was a bit over my head. Well, yeah, it is always nice to have a mentor that's close by. Yeah. And, uh, so I grew up on a dairy farm with my family. I lasted two years working with my dad and then I've never gone back. <laughs> so, yeah. 30, yeah. 35 years later. No, it's not ever going to happen. No, but, and um, we have we really our... Yeah, and you know, I think like any relationship, especially parent-child relationship, there's just a different dynamic there, um, you know, and we have our disagreements, um, but in general, I really like going to work with my dad every day, and I talk to people all the time who are just, you know, they're, they're like, oh, I would just do anything to be able to work with my mom or work with my dad, and, and so I try not to take it for granted too much. I enjoy it overall, but it's not without its uh, challenges. It has its moments, right? Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're wearing multiple hats as you. Yeah. Uh, daughter, sister, um, partner, business partner, all of that coming together. So with mm -hmm. that, Ashley, you know, one of the things we really want to do at, on our podcast is make sure that the listeners get some practical advice. So I'm just going to throw some unplanned and unscripted questions to you. And that is around when you think about people in this whole concept of money. So I want you to sort of forget business. What are some of the insights you have learned? And you got to remember, this is a global podcast. So we're not just the U.S. And mm -hmm. we don't even have a thing called a 401k. We call it RSP here in Canada. But our mm -hmm. podcast goes all around the world and I have listeners in Australia or the U.K. or uh, China is 
what are some principles you have learned about people and their money and the relationships there? What are some insights, things that they don't do, mistakes they make, or things that they need to consider? That's a really good question. I think the more I live in this world and talk with people, because I have very deep conversations with people and the clients about their money, um, and relationships with people and money are complicated. Um, you know, you were asking me about growing up and what was that like, and obviously, you know, we all are, are our upbringing shapes in a very big way our relationship to the entire world, but especially, you know, with money too, because if, if money was something that was a taboo topic or you never seemed to have enough money growing up, um, you know, those types of situations or any type of money situation, you know, based on how your, uh, your upbringing was can really influence how you deal with money later on and your relationship with money later on. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the most consistent things that I see across the board is people equate money with security. And the more money I have, the more secure I will feel, the more secure I will be. Now, whether or not that's the reality, that's, that's the challenging part is, is I could do, we could do everything right and you could have an external circumstance that completely blows up, you, you know, your plan for retirement or, or, you know, your business. Here we are in the midst of a pandemic, you know, these are all things that are out of our control. Um, and so I think one of the most interesting insights that I have in working with a lot of people is that I think a lot of us kind of live with our head in the sand that if, if we just, if we do this and this and this and this, then our life will be comfortable and we'll never have any problems. But we always sort of I think chase that you know the the rat race and running around in that in that little cage um, because we can never guarantee that everything's going to be okay and certain and that manifests in different ways like I have I have certain people who say oh well they just throw their hands up and they say well I'm never going to figure this out and uh, so I'm not going to do any planning at all that's not good and then I have other people who you know have they're so scared of the of what could happen that they they don't make the best decisions about how they invest their money or you know a lot of times it leads to them being too conservative or holding on to too much cash um, or or doing other things and so you know those emotions that we have around um, money and I think a lot of it stems from equating that to security can really drive behavior in, in sometimes good directions but a lot of times in not great directions either. Okay so let's say I'm your client Ashley and I'm a clean slate and you are now <laughs> to advise me on how I should think about uh, my relationship with money and by the way uh, listeners you know money is not evil <laughs> uh, it's neutral it's it's whoever has it in their hands and the direction that it goes. I mean, you know, if I'm a drug dealer and I have the money or I'm gifting it to a hospital for a new MRI machine, it's still just money. So that being said, Ashley, what are some principles uh, just generally for the general public, not necessarily even a business owner, uh, or things to avoid or not to avoid for me? So I'm your client and you're now helping me to understand, okay, what should my worldview or, or belief system be about money? What do you say? And if I, let's say I have this concern about you know money and security, what would you say to me? And what have you learned with the decade you're working with clients? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, money in itself is not good or evil. It's just a tool, and it can be used for either 
Yeah, that's a really interesting question because when people come to me, even in a perfect world where they would be a clean slate, um, it's it's hard because I do. It's not my job to impose my money values on them. My my job is to figure out what makes them tick, and what what is important to them. So I have a client who who I was talking to this morning, and they want to retire pretty early, and that that is completely opposite from what I would want to do. I really like working and I see myself, you know, working for many 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 more years, well into probably what you would consider traditional retirement age. So I think, you know, if I'm doing my job right, I'm getting to the bottom of, you know, what what's important to you. And 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 also if I do see problems cuz I do see issues. I see uh, I have clients who spend too much money, and if they continue on the path that they're on, they're going to accumulate more debt, and they're not going to reach the goals that are most important to them. And so most of the time what I'm trying to do is understand, if I can understand what goals are most important to you, um, especially like lifestyle goals and what you want to spend your time doing, and, you know, in five or ten years, what what does your life look like? Um, you know, what is your value system around money? If you're doing things that are contrary to that, like if you're not saving for retirement and you want to retire and you want to be able to have this time freedom to, to do more things or spend time with your grandkids and, you know, maybe you feel like you're a slave to your job right now and you just want to be able to get out of that as, as quickly as possible, but you're spending a $1,000 a month on eating out and going to, you know, Starbucks and doing all that. That's something that's telling me that that's not consistent with your values because you said you wanted to to get out of the job that you're in or retire at this age, but you're not going to be able to because you're you're actually putting your money somewhere else over here that that's not as meaningful to you because you've told me that. So, you know, my job is is really to just make sure that my clients are acting in ways that are consistent with what their values are and what their goals are. And then to, um, you know, point that out to them or correct them when they're not. And, and the goal is that, you know, by doing planning work with them and having these conversations, it's, it's not a one and done kind of, Oh, here's your financial plan and, you know, have a nice life. It's an ongoing conversation because life changes happen and, and people, you know that you might you might go down this path that may not be good for you and so we can help course correct sooner rather than getting you know 10 20 years down the road and you have maybe you retire and then you have to go back to work five years later because it just didn't pencil out and you were spending too much money or whatever that was so mm. it's really just you know not my job to impose my values but to find out and make sure that you are acting in a way with your money that is consistent with your most important goals and if I'm doing that and being honest with you and helping you to make better decisions so that you can achieve the goals that you want um, then, I, then that's when I'm doing my job. Okay so that being said I'm going to push you a little harder on this one Ashley a oh little boy. bit you know I'm the host right? <laughs> yeah go for <laughs> so, it. But even given that, and I realize what you're doing there is to make sure that your responses fit what that person is. But that even being said, then what are the principles that you have learned, you know, over this time that are important for people to consider or think about? So forget that you're trying to match to my, you know, my wants, but there are some general principles or strategies that uh, you've observed are 
I'll just recommend it if you're in this topic of area of success in life and, you know, enjoying it and managing things correctly. So what are some of those things that uh, you want to share with the audience? Yeah, you know, when you're saying that, the first thing that comes to mind is to not micromanage the clients that I have that, that try to micromanage things, and I, this could be in a variety of things, but uh, the most recent is what's what happened in the stock market uh, in March and, you know, tail end of March. It was ugly. And people who wanted to micromanage their portfolio or thought that, you know, oh, I better move to the sidelines and get out before uh, while things are bad and, and I can get back in when, when I feel comfortable again, those usually are disastrous, um, uh, you know, results that, that come from that. And I was in this industry back in the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. So I remember when clients panicked and a few of them did sell and go to cash and some of them just never get back in. Um, but I think that can apply to a lot of things as well. Like, you know, if if you hire a CPA or an attorney to, to do the work for you, it's good to understand what's going on. Um, but you also have to be able to trust that person that you're working with uh, and their professional expertise and their advice and follow their advice. And, and um, because if you're not going to follow their advice, you know, then you might as well not hire them or work with them. And a lot of times with our money, because we're so attached to it, because obviously it's our money, right? Um, it, I think it's a lot easier for people to make decisions that are not in their best interest, decisions that are based on, a lot of times based on fear or just trying to stop the bleeding like what was happening in March. And then, you know, they make bad decisions and then, they, then they're kind of stuck and paralyzed because they don't know what to do after that. They don't know, when do I get back into the stock market or, you know, when do I do this? And, and so I think having an objective person, um, to be able to help you make smarter decisions with your money and not panic. Um, and it's really tough to keep people on the path sometimes. But when you sell, you know, we've set this plan up and, and we put this plan in action. But when you sell and abandon that long-term plan, you kind of rip up that plan. And so, um, you know, we, I just, I try to do everything I can in my power to convince clients to stay the course when we set up the plan. But that, that, that doesn't always happen. And uh, it's usually the, the people who desire the most control, who trust the least, um, but have the hardest time with that when, when um, adversity comes along. And adversity always comes along. Yeah. So, you know, part of the principle is, is to make sure that we don't freak out. Um, you know, there was a famous general who said, no plan uh, lasts past the first engagement with the enemy. Mm -hmm. So we have intentions those intentions then, of course, have to be adjusted based on uh, unforeseen things, and those unforeseen things happen in life constantly. Uh, so we account for that to a certain degree. Now, when you think about um, some of the other principles that you've learned uh, with individuals in their life around this whole concept of, of being successful in life, what else did you want to add to that? Where, you know, this was a delightful client and they were so easy to work with. What are some of the, what are sort of the mindset things that they embrace that really you see them contributing to their success in life? Yeah, I think the, the most content the, and the most generous uh, and the, and the my favorite clients are are usually the ones who have realized at some point along the road that money 
money, like you said earlier, is not good or evil, but it is a tool, and it's a tool, it's a sort of this means to an end. So, you know, I'm living this lifestyle, um, and I've I've made these choices, and, and these are the circumstances that I find myself in because of the choices that I've made. So it's a, it's, it's a twofold thing. One is that they're the type of person who, who um, doesn't think that the things happen to them. They have some sense of like, oh, well, good or bad, the situation I find that in myself in, that is mostly my doing whether I made good decisions or bad decisions, there's a sense of personal responsibility and and very seldom do they blame other people or circumstances when they find themselves in those situations. And so what I've seen in working with clients is that mindset of, you know, being more um, internally focused as, as controlling your own destiny uh, has led to better decisions and, and happier people as a result, particularly later in life. Um, and I, I think that most of my clients are wired that way, and I think that that's not a coincidence um, because I, I see people who blame others or, you know, the world is against me, especially when things go south. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to to figure out and dig yourself out of that hole when that happens because if it's all if it's always about everyone else and not you and you can't look internally to figure out well what can I do differently what can I change how can I get out of this um, then it, you're you're I think people are just much less likely to dig themselves out of those holes when they happen um, and so those are the clients who tend to be easiest to work with um, and and able to course correct more easily too when we need to and also I think they're the ones that seem to be happier as well um, and then the other the other thing that I've seen a realization that I think most people come to later in life and by later in life I mean you know 50s 60s and and beyond and not not when you're on your deathbed but you know when we've spent a few decades on this earth I think a lot of us who have been working and you know living our lives and raising our family and all this we realize later on that you know money is not going to be this key that will make us happy and so a lot of my clients I've noticed who are the happiest and uh, they're the ones who are content with what they have and for some clients you know that's not a lot of money not every client that we work with is what I would consider or what the world would consider wealthy um, we have a lot of what what you might call like middle-class millionaires um, who have just been diligent savers their their whole life and and were able to retire and live comfortably, but they're not they're not you know rich or or extremely wealthy. Um, but these are people who are um, they're they're more generous because they realize that they don't have to hold on tightly to every penny that they have in order to just survive. And there's a lot of research, too, to back this up, you know, saying that I've read um, multiple studies that that showed that, you know, around, I think it's like 80,000 of, of annual household income in, in today's dollars here in the United States, that anything beyond that, you're not increasing your happiness at all. And so it's just enough to, you know, pay your bills and and uh, to enjoy f fun things from time to time and not be deeply buried in debt. But at any age and at any um, 
and any income level, I find clients who are able to find happiness, but then I also have clients who are who I would consider very wealthy who are also very unhappy as well. And so one of the realizations that I've come to in, in just working with a variety of people and understanding their situation, because I, I see behind the um, the curtain of hundreds of well over the years now I've seen behind thousands of people's financial circumstances and there is no correlation at all between the level of wealth and and their happiness and contentment and life satisfaction and and um, you know I I just it's it's surprising to me but then again it's not well that's a very um, important insight where there's not a correlation between the two. Obviously, people's needs have to be met, and you're not being evicted and living on the street. But after that, what you're saying is these are a lot of choices uh, with individuals. What do you think are some of the mindsets of these people who seem to be most content, you know, beyond what you've already said about, okay, they're not linking money to their happiness, but what are some other things that they seem to be doing that, contributes to sort of this sort of personal emotional freedom that they're in? I'd say definitely gratitude. Um, the the clients that I have that are most appreciative, most grateful, also tend to be very happy. Um, I, also clients who have taken the time going back to the value system to understand what they value most. You know, we all have different uh, value structures. So for some of us, it's family. For others, it could be, you know, s- spiritual, religious, religious values that are at the top. Uh, it could be work. It could be money. You know, that, that, that is true for some people. But, the, you know, there, there's all these facets of our life. And so the, the clients who, who spend their time and spend their money in a way that is con- most consistent with that values hierarchy that they have for themselves individually, I find are the happiest. And just in my own life too, as I've, I've understood my own value structure and what's most important to me, it's really caused me to kind of shift where I invest my time and where I invest my money. Um, and and has really helped me to um, act in a way that's consistent so that I do have this, you know, sense of satisfaction because I'm doing the things I'm, I'm, I'm contributing towards, whether that's time or financial towards things that are going to be most valuable to me. And the, and the clients who have done that themselves and who have this self-awareness uh, are, are what I find are most successful and most uh, focused on their goals and what's, what's important to them and moving in that right direction. Well, just to affirm your insight, Ashley, there was a study done that said what were the characteristics and quality of people who found meaning and well-being. And one of those was, of course, gratitude and thankfulness in the moment. And really, that is a choice rather than, well, there's nothing to be thankful for. Uh, that mm-hmm. sort of reflects the opposite situation there. Well, if you can believe it, we only have a few minutes left already, Ashley. You know, where did the time go? Mm-hmm. Um, now, you also have a podcast. Tell us about that. I do. It's called The One Minute Retirement Tip. And it's actually a daily podcast, which sounds crazy, but um, they're short daily episodes of about, most of the episodes are two to four minutes each. 
Um, and they're structured around a specific theme. So I actually did a theme on gratitude right around Thanksgiving uh, here in the United States. And this week's theme, well, actually coming up in, in December, we're recording this, but I talk about inflation. I talk about um, a lot of a lot of the financial retirement advice is geared towards um, people in the United States, but I have listeners outside of the United States as well. Um, and the unique thing about the podcast is it, it it's on the uh, it's on all of the popular podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. But it's the only um, podcast on the Amazon Alexa platform that is focused specifically on um, helping people make smart decisions as they approach retirement. So it's all focused on uh, retirement and planning for retirement. And, and making those decisions. So the Alexa platform is fairly new. If you have an Alexa device, um, you can subscribe to what's called Flash Briefings, and, and my podcast is one of those that you can uh, subscribe to. So I'm really excited about it because it's growing. You know, Every month it's growing. I've been doing it for just over two years now, and I'm almost at 800 episodes. <laughs> so um, it's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot in the process, and, and um, I'm just super excited because it's been pretty successful so far. Well, great. Well, that thank you for that, Ashley. Now, uh, again, you are truenorthretirementadvisors.com. Do you have your own website for you personally? No, I should. I was actually talking to someone about that the other day, but uh, no, it's uh, the shortened version is truenorthra.com, and links to our the podcast and and all the resources. Uh, you, I've done a bunch of YouTube videos on retirement, um, particularly for businesses as well. Um, so all of that's there on our website. Super. So any final, and so Ashley, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. So you're welcome. So uh, any final words of wisdom that you have for the audience today as we think of, as we depart? Yeah, I would say no matter what your life circumstances, uh, whether you're a business owner or not, is to begin with the end in mind, to think long term about, you know, what you want your life to look like, uh, setting your business up for success, setting your life up for success, um, to just think ahead in 10, 20 years, what do I want my life to look like? And, um, you know, as Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind. And I, and I think that for people, no matter what stage they are, whether they're at the beginning or getting close to retirement, uh, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to just look beyond the immediate uh, place that you're at right now and think, okay, what do I want my life to look like in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? For sure. Well, Ashley, thanks for hanging out. We'll make sure that all your links and everything are in our show notes. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. Stay on the line. So thank you, Secrets of Success listeners. I mean, it is a topic that we don't cover a lot in this show, but it is an important one because every single person on this planet needs to have some kind of connection to resources to live, to just be. And a lot of times we just avoid those discussions. We don't talk about it. We forget about it or we just keep doing it as Ashley had said and just don't want to go there because it was taboo as a kid or our family never talked about it or you don't think that money grows on the trees all these kinds of absurd uh, thought processes so my encouragement is, is that you would think about it you would plan about it and you will consider it 
Now, as always, we thank you for giving us your most valuable commodity, and that's your time. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on. Leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.